Welcome back to another episode of Joshi Joshi. This is episode eight, though I think we do so many side episodes. This is actually number 13. I am here today with Tom. Hello. Hello. Welcome. And we have our first ever guest today. We have the moderator, admin, whatever they're called on Reddit of Stardom Joshi. Uh, Juan, how you doing? Hi. What's up, guys? Hey. Not a lot. Nice to meet you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, so today's episode is actually going to be different than normal. It'll be special. Instead of talking about recent shows and news, we are actually going to do the our Best of 2018 Awards. Um, so that ought to be pretty fun. But before we get into it, uh, you know Tom and you know me, but you don't know Juan. <laughs> so tell us what uh tell us about yourself how you got into joshi things like that so i'm a lifelong wrestling fan i'm 33 years old um basically i've been watching wrestling since i was a baby um i grew up a wwf fan and wcw fan um i watch a little bit of cmll and triple a in the 90s as well because i happen to be um Spanish, so I, I speak Spanish. Um, I found Yoshi in like the early 2000s and was kind of a casual fan for like a decade, just basically mm-hmm. watching like the greatest matches and stuff. The greatest hits that just about everyone has seen. Yeah. And I've become more of a serious kind of Yoshi fan, especially um, historical Yoshi stuff from like the 70s and 80s over the past few years, over like the past three years or so. Yeah, uh, I'm on that Reddit all day, just about every day. <laughs> and uh, Juan posts a lot of really cool old AJW stuff, whether it's uh, old matches or old newspaper clippings. I believe, actually, about a month ago, you found new evidence of the earliest women's wrestling match in japan yes although that actually didn't work out exactly because of the uh, wording it, it actually was a little bit deceiving um what it turned oh. out to be was not the first proper like professional wrestling as we know it instead right. what it turned out to be was like a worked sumo style match oh um that seemed to be popular in like the early part of the 20th century in japan with women Women's sumo. Yeah, f- uh, worked women's sumo. So, like, I actually don't know a lot about sumo. I believe women can't actually practice, like, professional sumo proper. Yeah, because um, uh, if, if you remember, I think it was a big story last year where a sumo wrestler had a heart attack in the ring, and the only doctor there was a woman, and she tried to come help, and they kicked her out. Yeah, so what these women were doing basically was like an entertainment pro wrestling version of sumo. Mm. Um, and they described it as such in the like newspaper clippings and stuff at the time. And specifically what I found was like a tour that they did of Hawaii in like 1930 or something. That's so interesting, yeah. I was actually, I've seen uh, on some Japanese game show, uh, like these... Uh, there was a young girl who was like the national women's uh, sumo champion amateur level for her age group. 
Wow. So I believe it can be practiced, but just not professional. Yeah. As for yeah, the uh, the idea of having like a worked sumo or something along those lines before you, because sorry, what year do you say that would be? Nineteen thirty. So it happened in literally wow. like the middle of nineteen thirty, like June or July or something like that. <laughs> so that's that's well before the you know the Sharp Brothers. Yeah, well um, before. And actually, I found another article from an American newspaper written by someone that traveled to Japan in like the way earlier than that, like 1909 or something like that. My God. Um, that also featured, that also talked about like a similar thing, about like worked women's sumo matches. I mean, that does make sense because if you look at at least the American history, it, it was all, you know, s- semi-staged tough man contests out of the barn. Yeah, that's how it started. And actually, um, I'm on the side, I'm also a little bit of a, like a general pro wrestling historian, sort mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found kind of entertainment, kind of vaudeville style shows Wow. With women's wrestling in Europe in like the mid 1860s. That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Um, so there's like a newspaper clipping review of a show that went particularly bad. Oh. <laughs> um, and they got like a little bit of a scathing review, but it's basically like a women's match that was supposed to go on in this like general vaudeville style show that for whatever reason on that night they couldn't go through with the match um and by the way check out also um the subreddit queens of the ring which i'm also a mod of Mm -hmm. and i post a lot of stuff there that isn't exactly like yoshi related but is women's wrestling uh, related gotcha okay i will definitely check that out i mean we we tend to think of like pro wrestling as being such an american post-war import Right to Japan, right, or at least like an American-inspired import. So it's absolutely it's crazy to think that there was something that similar, bef- in the pre-war period. Uh, um, the thing is that Japan and America, ever since like Japan opened up to the to the rest of the world, um, and I forgot exactly what year that happened. It was like eighteen sixty-five, maybe or something. America and Japan have always kind of had a, mostly a pretty friendly relationship. And yeah. kind of doing a lot of cultural exchanges and stuff, which is how like Japan got baseball in like the early part of the twentieth century and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I've definitely got to check some more of this stuff out. I'm, <laughs> I'm absolutely fascinated to to, to learn a little it, bit more about this. Yeah, it makes me want to have another episode where Juan just teaches us things. <laughs> yeah, I'll just talk for an hour about like 1970s AJW because I love it so much. That sounds perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so speaking of your fandom, I know for myself, Tom is different, but for myself, because I'm old, I was into the tape trading scene. So I was huge into Joshi during the heyday, but in the 2000s, I completely fell out and I. Never came back until uh, started hearing about Io Shirai all the time and wanted to know what she was about. And honestly, I sort of expected that I wouldn't like her, and the complete opposite has happened. So, did you have a period where you weren't watching? No, I've always, I've literally always watched at least some kind of professional wrestling, and right. Yoshi specifically. 
I jumped in in like the early 2000s when it became a little bit easier to actually like download videos of matches and stuff. Right. Um, this would have been maybe like 2005, 2006, around there. And mostly the stuff that I was watching then would have been stuff from like 10, 12 years earlier than that. So yeah, like Manami yeah. Toyota, Aja Kong, stuff like that. Hokuto. Um, yeah. And then and I always try to keep up. It just before the streaming services, it was a lot more difficult to kind of keep track of the current stuff. Um, I would catch like a match here or there. Like I think Ice Ribbon may have been the first company that I really like modern company that I watch with any kind of regularity just through like torrents and stuff. Um, right. But yeah, it really wasn't until like the streaming services started kicking in with like Stardom World and um, Wave that I started watching um, current stuff regularly in real time as it happened. Yeah, I think Wave might have been the first streaming Joshi company, I think. Yeah, although the service was really like not that good in the early days. Uh, and we'll get to that when we get to one of the other categories. <laughs> yes, yeah. Okay, so speaking of that, uh, let's get into it. Um, we're going to start off here. Well, I was going to start off with most disappointing, but let's not start off on a downer. Let's start off on something good. So we'll start off with the best surprise of 2018, and then we can go to the most disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for me, the best surprise of 2018 was not in the ring. It was outside of the ring, and it was Chigusa Nagayo. Uh, saving a woman from being beaten. Uh, and it was just an incredible story. We talked about it a lot on this show before, um, so I won't go over it all again. But I just, that really left an impression on me. I've been like her biggest fan <laughs> in the world ever since. She is pretty, she's a pretty cool lady, um, just great. in general. Um yeah, like we don't appreciate the fact that she's like one of the biggest stars in the history of wrestling. I think Meltzer, I mean, he's not a Joshi guy, but he always compares her to as like the Hulk Hogan of Joshi, where she was just the biggest ever in the 80s. And they really were. Like, if you look at at least the numbers that I've seen quoted around, and I haven't seen like firsthand ratings information and stuff from japan from the time but the numbers that got quoted around are like weekly ratings of like 12.0s or something like that it's just, just it's ridiculous like, numbers that in america we only saw for like specials or yeah. memphis yeah local tv um and my second was much less but i think it's great uh natsumi maki who i love to watch is going somewhere that I can watch her more often. Uh, so she's going from Actress Girls to Tokyo Joshi Pro. Uh, so yeah, Tom, Juan, what do you guys, what did, what surprised you in the best way in 2018? For me in particular, it was two things. The first was At Rest Girl Z, um, just drawing a big number in Corican Hall for like no apparent reason. <laughs> I don't understand how they did it. They don't have TV. They don't have a streaming service. They are not on Samurai TV in Japan. It's just this tiny company that somehow booked this show well in advance and managed to basically sell out. It's amazing. Maybe uh, 
Sayori Ano is a big draw. <laughs> Maybe she's a, she's a special talent. I don't know that she's necessarily like an amazing wrestler, but she has star power. Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I imagine I imagine it would be some sort of successful guerrilla marketing campaign for that sort of thing. You know, if you take a few of the act uh, of the actress girls wrestlers and have them strategically positioned around like Harajuku or something, mm. you're gonna hit a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to get a lot of attention. And, so. and, and despite being a relatively small group with little exposure, somehow most people know their top stars like Ano, uh, Taihonma, Natsumi Maki. Um, well, they work everywhere. Yeah. Like every every promotion has had a, at least one of their girls wrestle in there. Yeah. And my second surprise, which is something that I wasn't like expecting but was really cool, was the Joshi Olympics. Definitely. Tom yeah, is just, a huge fan of this. <laughs> that was such a fun thing with all with like a bunch of companies coming together just to do like a fun thing. It, yeah, I liked it. It was so fun. We did an entire sub episode on this. <laughs> <laughs> it was just my introduction to my first time introduction to so many different promotions, and the sheer bloody-minded chaos of it was fantastic. It was. The fact that it just broke down into a massive brawl every time <laughs> they tried to do anything. <laughs> the musical chairs, in particular... Musical chairs was, was incredible. It was, like a, it was a bloodbath. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. I kind of hope they do something every year like that. It Me would too. be really cool if like, Samurai TV could just pull together like all, their, all of their promotions and just do like, random events. Yeah, yeah, and I think even Gaora might have some. I don't know if I don't I don't know who's on who, but I think yeah, Gaora has Oz Academy. I think they Oz. own a piece of Oz Academy, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Well, certainly the like the the idol style Olympics things that it's based on are like a biannual thing. Yeah, uh, I don't know about Japan, but certainly in Korea at least. So hopefully they follow that tradition and just decide to do this every year yeah i think though i think i was reading that uh i mean it, it's just hard to do because at least for this one i believe admission was free so they didn't make a dime and i think it was like fairly short notice so there were only like a couple of hundred people there yeah yeah and, and they got in free <laughs> yeah yeah I, w I was very disappointed by the crowd <laughs> yeah yeah but but it was so much fun. Yeah, it really was. Um, so yeah, Tom, what do you got? Yeah, well, my my two favorite surprises this year were... I mean, it shouldn't have been a surprise, because we, we sort of knew it was coming, but not to the extent it has done, which is the mega push of Utami. Like, we knew she was going to be some... She was going to be kind of a focal point with her background and her family, and, and but we I didn't... As as demonstrated by the competition I ran, where we did a pick'em on the five star, I really did not predict that she would win that many matches, and that's why I lost the five star uh, pick'em competition so handily. Yeah. But yeah, to the extent that she's now champion of what is functionally my local women's promotion. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty. Yeah. I mean. So. I guess maybe we just didn't realize how big of a uh, cultural uh, 
whatever the word would be that show she was from is on. But it's it's a marriage of that and the fact that she's good. Oh, she's great. I love Utami. She might be, I think, just talent-wise, maybe the best rookie I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, this is beyond... People like to bring up Kurt Angle, but Kurt Angle was having matches for a year in Memphis with... Uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but he didn't do this in his first six months. Yeah, same thing with, yeah. like, The Rock... Yeah. Goldberg, like basically like any super rookie that you can think of, they're way more green than she is. I was talking to Chris Wolf about this, and she and I was just saying, uh, like I was going to ask her if he knew anything about her, but then I realized, oh yeah, Chris Wolf left Stardom before Utami started training, which is yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it it really is. So, and she'll uh, she'll come up a lot today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, just, just a little bit. Yeah. And and my other favorite thing right now, which I know is bleeding into 2019, but the fact that Stardom is making another international push, mm. because obviously one of the things that's going on at the moment is relating to the SWA title, which was Stardom's original international push effort, which kind of collapsed, and the title is. The title's worth is purely dictated by who holds it. It doesn't really have any worth in and of itself. Who 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 was that that EO had? Oh, that was Tony Storm that EO had such great matches with in like in a bar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Kaylee Ray was the Kaylee Ray, thank you. Ah. Yeah, and Tony Storm was the title match in Barcelona. Thank you. But now we've got Stardom running WrestleMania weekend. We've got Stardom doing uh the uh Wrestle Queendom here in the UK. Yeah. And I'm I'm both myself and Justin are beyond giddy yes. to realise that we're we're going to go be able to go see like full on Joshi talent. I mean I already see Joshi talent semi regularly anyway, but like proper stardom stuff on our own shores, you know. And, and stardom has always had way more of an eye on the international talent than any other Yoshi company that I can think of. Because they've always had Gaijins. They've always pushed Gaijins, even giving them titles. Yeah. Um, and they like they ran a, a couple of shows in the U.S. before like anybody really knew who they were. Yeah. yeah Back they in did. 2015. They did, in California, right? Uh, yeah, I think in California for like the... Cauliflower Alley. Yes, thing. yes. I remember because now I can picture that ballroom in my head. Yeah. yeah. And like, but they made like Dark Angel from um, Sarah Stock. They made her like the Wonder of Stardom champion when I think when that title was arguably like the top title in, in the promotion, or at least like the most popular title. Right. So they've always kind of, and every year, most years, I think they've done at least one international show. Like they did, um, where was it? Taipei or something? Taipei, but, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. So they, they've always, uh, way more than any other Yoshi company, I think they want to be known as an international company, and not just, not just a Japanese company. I would say that uh, Sendai Girls has historically sent a lot of individual talent or small groups of talent overseas because yeah they did shakara yeah and that ha so they've sent 
they've also been sending talent here to the UK semi-regularly for a, yeah, they, for quite a while. There's been little things. Uh, I remember Ice Ribbon back in the Hikaru Shida days was the first Joshi promotion to work with Eve, um, like in 2010, 2011. Mm. And also you have Wave. Uh, Misaki Ohada was sent to Shimmer for a while. Um, and I think she had their tag championships for a little while. So there, there have been some historically, but nothing like this. And also, no, this is... and also um, way back when, AJW actually was a way more international company than maybe we realize. Um, because, for example, in the 70s, during Jackie Sato's run, they actually ran a couple of shows in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, and they had a. They always had pretty much from day one. They had a lot of Mexican talent, um, that really influenced a lot of the style that they did in like the late seventies, early eighties. So, uh, this is where we, this is where we work out how this show works then, because uh, I don't know which one of these is the most surprising. I mean, <laughs> I, if I can speak on the Chikusa Nagayo one, I think that whilst it's awesome. The fact that some idiot got on the wrong side of a absolute badass woman yeah. <laughs> is not hugely surprising. I mean, I'm surprised the story of Joshi talent, Joshi wrestler comes to the rescue doesn't happen more often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think either of mine are hugely surprising, so I will disqualify mine, but we're still left with four. <laughs> we don't have to come to a full consensus i don't think i think if at the start of 2018 somebody told us that the next eo shirai of stardom had not yet debuted would not debut for another six months and she was going to be great from day one yeah that would be like the biggest surprise we would not believe that person if somebody told us that true that's true. It, it, it is kind of like if you found out that the next Rock was debuting in NXT. And he hasn't started he, training yet. He hasn't started training yet, but by the end of the year, he's going to be main eventing takeovers. Yeah, and have like three or four of the match of the year contenders, yeah. But I don't know. On the same note, I agree with that. However, these Joshi companies never come together, so the Joshi Olympics was very special. Yeah. Yeah, I think the last time may have been like... Bonacano's retirement in like 2012 or something. My God! All right, so let's let's uh, let's vote. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Joshi companies coming together for the Joshi Olympics. You know what? I'll give it to the Joshi Olympics as well because that is such a rare occurrence. Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree. Uh, Yoshi Olympics. All right. Best surprise of 2018. Okay. Now we get into. A little bit of negativity. We'll try not to be too negative. Ah, uh, our speciality. Our speciality. Uh, most disappointing of 2018. I started last time, so how about uh, when do you guys go first? Uh, for me, it has to be the most uh, disappointing. It has to be Ayako Hamada's drug bust. Yeah. Um, because it's like Ayako Hamada's, the bulk of her career in Japan happened during the dark ages so she's yes. maybe not considered like as big of a historical star but when you look at the quality of work that she did for like close to 20 years 
it's really hard to match and to have like the career of a of a legend like that really end prematurely it's it's really heartbreaking um and like i've seen a few of her facebook posts and stuff and she's been pretty vague about the details of what happened it's not yeah i was gonna say i i still don't really know what happened yeah like we don't know she doesn't want to talk about it but she does sound like pretty heartbroken about it and specifically i think she i'm i'm speculating here but i think she was particularly disappointed or heartbroken about the way that the yoshi industry kind of reacted to it um by mm. kind of isolating her from the rest of the industry like yeah. no one came to her defense publicly which is not surprising but it's still you know you're in her shoes it has to be something that's really heartbreaking painful yeah um so yeah that because of her career i feel like that's easily the most disappointing thing this year mm. especially because she is actually because she had a kind of a run in what was at the time the number two company in the u.s Hamada is actually known to some hardcore wrestling fans in general. And the fact that she had just won the Sendai title. And the fact that... She was getting a mega push and wave. Yeah, and it meant that it, it screwed up Wave's uh, tournament, which was getting rave reviews at the time. Wave's kind of been hit very hard by it. It's, yeah. Because of the nature of drug accusations in in Japan, it's not surprising that people had to distance themselves, even if they didn't maybe want to, because there's such a stigma attached to it. But I mean, if you look with Io, her own sister turned against her for a minute. For a long time, yeah. 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 It, like, it's really a career killer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was depressing. What else? What else? You... <laughs> um, I, I, I'm going to put up uh, Sendai Global. Oh gosh! Uh, when yeah. we started the podcast at the start of the, the, the near the beginning of the year, I had such high hopes. I was I signed up immediately. I was fully on board. I was basically helping promote it half the time by just retweeting links and just saying, "Hey guys, this is where you know." If you like these people, this is where to find them. Try and support this. Maybe they'll get more stuff up. And then then they got four shows up. And then they got six shows up. And then it stayed as six shows. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> yes, yeah, like arguably the best company of the bunch has the worst streaming service. Yeah. It doesn't have a streaming service. <laughs> it, it, functionally, that yeah. six, six videos. I, I think they've I, added more since then. Um, but I don't know. It's a did. long time, though. Yeah, but they have maybe like twelve shows, tops. But two of them are pro wrestling Eve shows, which was strange. And I think the last show they added might have been from September. If it's Eve shows, I already have a subscription to Eve. There are two Eve shows up because I was just looking at it uh, earlier today. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a pivot share thing. The platform because mm -hmm. basically just to pad out the content of some companies they will just add shows from other companies in that platform i i wonder how the japanese audience for um sendai girls took to eve's tradition of having a burlesque show before the main event 
I would bet good money that very few of them have actually seen it because streaming services are apparently not big in Japan. Yeah, no, and that's why Start Starter makes most of their money in the West from that. Yeah, that's what is that? What were we told? I believe something like eighty percent of Stardom World subscribers are Western. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something really high. Um, and so, what do we know about the reason for this? Is it arguing over rights with Samurai TV? Why? Why do we think this is so? Bad. Apparently, it's rights issues, at least according to the Twitter account of Sendai Global. Mm. Um, whatever exactly rights issues means, we don't know. Right. Um, I don't think the videos are necessarily from Samurai TV. Um, so I don't know if that's an issue. It might be maybe like a DVD distribution issue. Mm. Um, but who knows um, there's so little details that it really there's no way to know yeah every now and again the guy or girl who runs that twitter shows up and says something but even they've been gone for months now okay uh, so I will go next I'm going to lighten the mood just a little bit uh, and I think one of the most disappointing things was the gimmick change of the heel persona of Hanakamura, who spent a year and a half as my favorite wrestler in the world, and now I barely pay attention during her matches. I think it's incredibly depressing. She had an incredible gimmick, a great look. Her moves, even though she only does about three moves and it's all Yakuza kicks, everything looked great. Everything was perfect. She had charisma. She did promos with Oedo Tai that made Oedo Tai blow up. And then she goes to Mexico. She looks even cooler in Mexico. She's got the uh, the leather pants and the tied-up shirt. She's giving everyone the finger and telling them to go fuck themselves. It's amazing. And then she comes back, and she has these blonde braids or dreads, and she's dressed in neon colors, and she's no-selling everything. And it... it it, it, it's just, it's like in wrestling, you're, stif- you're supposed to go from stunning Steve Austin to Stone Cold. You're supposed to get better. You're not supposed to get, you're not supposed to go from Stone Cold Steve Austin and go, yeah, fuck this. I'm going to be stunning Steve Austin. So it was, it was very yeah. disappointing to me as a Hannah Kimura fan. <laughs> and that's my rant on that. <laughs> petty, petty man. <laughs> I do think the gimmick has potential that we haven't seen yet. Uh-huh. I will say, yes. I In recent shows, I have started re-warming up to her. Although she's basically just going back to Oerotai Hana, but without Oerotai. Yeah, yeah. Which just basically roping all the, lo- all the gaijins onto her side. Yeah, all the one, all the ones that aren't Jamie Hater anyway. Yeah, so it's right. basically a throwback to the original Oerotai um, in that sense. I do think the match that she had with Saki that ended up being, I think, a disqualification. Yeah, that was kind of a turning point. That's what I feel like the character should be. That was a good match um, because she needs to be. She's. With this persona, she's at her best when she's completely and totally insane. 
yes, kind of agreed. like her mom uh, back yeah. in the day. Um, and she hasn't really done that often. Um, we've only seen kind of glimpses of that. I would love to see that on a regular basis. A, a return to, if you remember, uh, how her social media was when Tom, Tam, left uh, uh, Oedo Tai and she was posting like a complete psycho. That was great. Yeah, like crazy Hana is the best Hana. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> I I do think the best thing to come out of this was Oedo Tai cutting a promo on her whilst eating food they bought from her mother's food truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely shabby. Just amazing. <laughs> yeah. But no, I I as I've said, I my my affection for Hannah did not diminish nearly as much as yours did, Justin. Uh, but there are some things that are. That that opening music is like Ring of Honor 2005 levels of grandiose and yet kind of. I like. Get on with it. <laughs> I like the timing fix that they did on it. I was. They did. Because the first one or two matches, it took two minutes for the song to start up. So they, they yeah. fixed that. Yeah, I think they were originally kind of just playing the song from the start. And that song yes. doesn't work from the start. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so they just basically jump to the middle of it, and it works a lot better. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I don't want her no-selling. And unless you're Bruiser Brody, don't wear those stupid furry boot covers, please. The rainbow <laughs> f- the I, rainbow footies need to go. That constantly go down around her feet. Like, <laughs> she needs some stick for the inside of those things. Hey, she's wearing the rainbow Bruiser Brody boots just like Bruiser Brody used to. <laughs> his were rainbow with the color of blood <laughs> oh brody um uh do we have anything else in this category yeah i do um tokyo yoshi pro losing a lot of people this year yeah that was my other um yeah they really like it's like four or five different wrestlers that they lost um Hyper Masao announced at the end of the year that she was taking a hiatus in early 2019. Mm-hmm. And they had, I think, a couple of injury issues as well. So, like, in general, they were hit really hard. I, yeah, you hit. I'm sorry. I think at the start of 2018, they were probably, like, one of the hottest Yoshi promotions. But they Absolutely. really took a big momentum hit by losing so many people. They had a Nonoko of the Super Super Breast Milk or whatever that team was. <laughs> she retired. Uh, Maho Kurone, who was responsible for a lot of their popularity, she retired out of nowhere. Uh, Azusa Takigawa retired. Yu went freelance. Rika Tatsumi got hurt. Uh, what's her name? Marika Kobashi got hurt. Misao's now going to take hiatus. They they lost probably more than half of their roster. It's kind of similar to Stardom in 2015. Like after the whole like Yasukawa Yoshiko incident. Um, oh, yeah. They ended up kind of losing. Uh, a few people left kind of little by little throughout the year, and they didn't have the rookies to really replace them. Yeah. Um, so they really had to go into like rebuild mode, and that's kind of what Tokyo Yoshi Pro has had to do. Mm. Um, I do think that they are in a good spot right now, especially with the addition of Natsumi Maki. 
um, because she's someone that can really main event for them. Um, considering like the work rate level of the company and the amount of star power that she has, she's really someone that they could put the title on if they wanted to. I agree. They have good foundations. Uh, I I adore Yuka Sakazaki. Uh, Miyu Yamashita might be the best champion in Joshi, period. Um, Natsumi Maki's there. Maki Ito might be the char- most charismatic person in wrestling, period. So they... They have really good foundations, but the problem is that now half of the show is the up-up girls and a bunch of rookies that are about two or three matches in. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but uh, Neko Haruna, uh, Yumi, Pam Harajuku, uh, Unagi, just people like that. So it's going to take some time to rebuild, but they have some good foundation. On on the upside, I think that their end-of-year show, or their, you know, their what I assume is basically going to become a traditional pre-Tokyo Dome Corican Hall show, got mm-hmm. enough buzz that I signed up to DDT again. Yeah. So the, the the prominence of getting that slot, if they can continue to get that pre-Tokyo Dome slot every year in Corican Hall, you're just going to have that continuous heartbeat every year of a big peak moment that they can use to build around going forward. Yeah, that's a huge show for them. Yeah, and and unlike most other um, Yoshi companies, they do have a parent company, which is very popular, and that kind of helps them along as well. And that parent, I assume you mean DDT? Yeah. Yeah, and and they're owned by uh, that internet TV station that has a lot of money. Yeah, like I'm actually a little bit worried about the future of Wave, because they don't have that safety net, and they did end up taking a lot of hits and the year as well yeah i don't know how well they're going to be able to bounce back once they're back from their hiatus and that would be like a real shame to lose because wave has a lot of history they do um yeah they're gonna lose uh rena yamashita uh ohada retired and i i I love ohada um it's gonna be hard for them too so i think asuka is leaving as well Asuka's leaving. Uh, there's a referee that's leaving. And it might be... Wave has my favorite Joshi referee. It's the woman that does the delayed three. So she goes, one, two, three. And I just... I I love that count. And I hope it's not her who left. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Isn't that the old Tiger Hattori trick? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's definitely some referee who who's noted for that, that little gap. Yeah, just to give them that extra little moment to kick out. I think that's amazing. So I yeah. hope they don't lose her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I had um, one more kind of disappointment this year, uh, which is relatively minor, I think, but it's something that a lot of people talk about on the subreddit. Um, I think is worth noting, which is the lack of title defenses with stardom um, when it comes to some of the secondary titles. So, for example, the high-speed title being with Maria Pachi most of the year means that for most of the year, the title was in Mexico. It was not being defended. Um, Tony Storm had the World of Stardom title, and even when she was in Japan, some of her tours, she didn't have a title defense at all. Same with Apache, yeah. Yeah, and like the SWA title, I legitimately just forgot 
that the title was active because it just wasn't around for most of the year. Um, Until, and then out of nowhere, Viper beat Tony for it, which I can't even remember. Yeah, and also like the artist titles, I would love to see one trio's team just take that belt to like, that set of belts to like um, 10 defenses or something, just just to establish it because Stardom trios matches are so good yes and yet the ti- the trios titles which are in theory should be like the best trios matches are complete and total afterthoughts and it's it's sad because i thought i would have bet money that that's why they put the titles on team jungle and it just didn't work out that way yeah they even got trios gear yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like you, you you can't telegraph it more than that <laughs> Yeah, so outside of, I mean, they defend the white belt constantly. That's the Gaijin Bum of the Month Club. Uh, Between Io and Momo, I think they've beaten just about every wrestler in the promotion and every Gaijin that's come in. I think Momo has like nine defenses already in like less than six months. Yeah, and Io was... I think Io had six as well in the early part of the year. She was racking them up before... uh, she was leaving too to set the record. But of course, Stardom has the solution to this, which is to add another belt. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the future title. Which I have no objection to, but I think that belt was defended about as frequently as the other ones were. <laughs> yeah, which isn't in itself. The, I, I think the idea of a under 18 or whatever belt is a good idea. And I don't necessarily mind the lack of title defenses, but I think it should be some sort of rotation where every title, maybe not the high speed and the SWA, whatever, but the tag titles, make that a main event one show, then the next show, the white belt, then the next show, the trios belt, and the next show, the red belt. Um, And then you can have the high speed in the future, and I guess if the WA champ is in town. They can be undercards, but if if they just changed uh, the rotation of what headlined and made all of those titles matter to where they could headline, I think people wouldn't mind the lack of defenses as much because you wouldn't notice it because there would always be at least one going on that mattered. And just like not putting titles on wrestlers that are not going to be around. Yeah. Because that basically, that automatically eliminates over six months of the year where the titles can be defended. So even if they have like an idea for a match, they wouldn't be able to do it. Well, they were kind of screwed with the Tony winning the belt because I don't think that was intended. It was an injury-related thing. But at the same time, you're absolutely right. They, They have... (laughs) <laughs> they Brock Lesnar that belt out of out of relevance for a lot of the year. Yeah, uh, even Kagetsu doesn't really defend it that often. I I mean I was gonna say I, I to me the big attraction in Stardom is the white belt with Momo. Yeah, like we don't notice that Kagetsu doesn't actually defend the belt that often because it's Kagetsu and she's always getting attention for stuff. Um, but if that belt wasn't on a, on a less kind of charismatic wrestler, like people would be complaining a lot more. I agree. It's almost like Kagetsu lost it and they're buying time to see if they can find it or make it have a new one made. <laughs> no, she she like carries the she'll just carry a fake belt around then. 
<laughs> the cardboard one. Yeah, the cardboard one. Uh, okay, so uh, consensus voting time. I think this one's going to be pretty unanimous. Uh, it's got to be as, as much as selfishly it's sad that Sendai Global sucks. It's got to be Ayako Hamada. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. All right, so now we're gonna <laughs> now we're gonna move back into a more positive category. Next up, we have best streaming service. Um, this <laughs> it's is hard, it's hard not to discuss Sendai again. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean they they don't qualify for this award. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. That's yeah. True. Uh, um, Tom, what do you, what do you got? Stardom, obviously. Stardom. Uh, it's one of those. It's one. It's a. It's. I love the fact that it's put together, really simply. You've got consistent translation. They don't try to do stuff they can't do, so there's no dumb commentary layered over the top. Yes. It's. You, you know exactly what you're going to get, with every show, which is a decently filmed show. You'll understand the storylines. You'll get a pre-match interview every time. It's just comprehensible accessible it's if you want to get you want to bring someone into joshi just based on the quality of a service this is the one you recommend yeah 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 i mean it, it just has to be then uh they update i mean some before they used to be slow sometimes but they've gotten pretty uh scheduled with that you know you're going to get a match or two every day and it'll be done by Friday, usually, of that of the following week. Um, I do miss that they don't seem to do any of the extra stuff anymore. The last time they even teased it was uh, Tam's World, Tom's World. And that got one episode and was done. So I don't, I don't think they really do that stuff anymore. Uh, even though it's supposedly coming back. I want it to come back, because I really liked all the side stuff they did. They're kind of replacing that with the what they're calling documentaries, which are basically like the little short like summaries of the actual feuds. Yeah, and those are, those are well done. However, they might not be as well done as they are for Tokyo Joshi main events. Uh, two years ago... You had Miyu Yamashita under a waterfall getting ready for Reika Saiki. And then this year you had Maki Ito crying before her match with uh, Miyu Yamashita. Uh, but as we said, they're owned by a television company, so they should put out that quality. And this was just a long segue to say that I think a pretty close number two is TJPW on DDT Universe. Agreed. Um what sets them and stardom apart, I think, is just the volume of content that they put out um, in comparison yeah. to everyone else. Yes. Um, and a lot of that is because both promotions run a lot of shows, but they also do go the extra mile to add, when they can, add extra stuff. Yeah, if you're looking at production values, like when I was at Tokyo Joshi Pro, I was just I was sat there in Corrigan Hall and I was watching these videos for these main events and just thinking, I thought Stardom was the biggest Joshi company, but this company has like all these professional looking videos encapsulating yeah. the whole feuds. And it's just, wow, this looks so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> if you want, if you want your professional grade, uh, 
you know production values that's more that's their speciality the only downside is english commentary stuff and translation issues it's they, less comprehensible well they, they simply don't have translation but i know you no. i know you hate the english uh is it is that speedball mike bailey they switch around a bit as far as i know don't they I know there was uh, the one guy, I can't think of his name. Mm, I'm blanking, and this is, I'm not going to stop blanking. But they had one guy I thought was decent, but apparently everyone else hated him. Uh, and I know Mike Bailey did it sometimes. Did DDT bring in American Balloon for some shots or something as well? It, it's... The whole thing sort of strikes me as a slightly infirm work in progress, but I've only just signed back up to DDT, so I need to yeah. I need to give him a fair shot and analyze as I go. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not I'm not averse to watching Japanese wrestling shows with just Japanese access because I've done that for a decade or more. Right, right. It's just when you compare it to what Stardom offers. Yeah, and I I. A lot of times prefer no commentary. Stardom sort of did that to me. Joshi in general. I also want to give like a shout out to Waves um, streaming service because in the past they had a lot of technical issues, um, yes. which made the service borderline like unusable. Yeah. And also they went like months without yep. um, posting stuff, but they did manage to work that out in 2018. And when you compare, like, the amount of shows that they do and the back catalog that they have, it's actually a pretty good value. Yeah, I, recently they even did that uh, Asuka slash Kana compilation, which was pretty cool. But I do remember when I first signed up for it, they would go months without uploading and then dump a whole bunch of shows at once. And that was kind of frustrating. I think it's definitely the promotion I'm probably going to sign up to next as they relaunch yeah, it was going to be marvelous for me, but kind of wanting to support a wave relaunch and help them move along and regain some some momentum as I and, and actually just dis, discover some of the stuff they do. That's probably going to be the next promotion I investigate. Yeah, and I can also recommend YMZ, which I don't know how a company that has like literally dozens of fans. Um, <laughs> manages to have a actually really good streaming service, relatively speaking. Like the, that is the only one I've I've never seen, even the web page. Like they have, they don't have a lot of shows up because it launched in like the last couple of months. Um, mm -hmm. But and they didn't upload the big um, January first show. I'm guessing because that's like a big DVD sales show for them or something. Probably. Um, but like this website is completely logical. It's in English. Oh. Um, they have they don't translate the promos, but they do add English captions to let you know more <laughs> or less what's going on. Uh um, they have complete shows. They have maybe like I don't know, maybe seven complete shows and videos on there. Their shows are really fun. Um, for a service that just launched for like a micro company it's actually really good yeah ymz has always been one of those you might see one show a year pop up and it's completely bonkers it really is. it's it's sort of like a indie version of hustle almost 
Yeah, totally. Well, I have no idea what YMZ is. So, Kaori, uh, uh, Kaori Yonejama's company. And the way yeah. that I would describe it is like Stardom's Mass Fiesta shows, except <laughs> somehow like a little bit racier. Okay. If, uh, like the, the matches break down into like drawing contests sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like literal, like they sit down with pen and paper and start drawing. Yeah. And the, the crowd judges it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm an Eve fan, so that is kind of my speed. Yeah, and they actually have like a pretty good like selection of wrestlers as well. Like Asuka shows up there quite a bit from way, ah. and they have some mm. like Actress Girl Z wrestlers from time to time as well. How much are they? I, I really do want to try them out. It's a little bit more expensive. It's like the same price as New Japan World, um, which might be okay. a turnoff for some people because it's not that big of a value. It's nine hundred ninety nine yen. Well, you you pay ten bucks and you get to see six shows and cancel. Yep, that's what I recommend that people do at the moment. Yeah, yeah. If if I have a spare like uh, chunk of time later in the year, rather than trying to catch back up on progress or some sort of other futile gesture, I'll probably give that a look. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I think we're at the end of this one. Um, I think it's unanimous, isn't it? Yeah. Stardom World. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we say this ten days before they. Completely change it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing they just got into that, just got in under the wire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so next up after that, we are going to probably the easiest of all categories <laughs> on this whole thing: Rookie of the Year. Uh, I had two names on here. One was the rookie from Marvelous. One of them, uh, Mikoto Shindo. Because she's a badass and she has no fear, and it, it's like she she sort of makes me because th- she's she's small, so she sort of makes me think if Mio Momono wanted to kill you, that's what Mikoto Shindo is, um, rather than merely vex you, <laughs> rather than slap you in the back of the head. <laughs> um, have either of you guys watched her? Yes, I have. Um... I subscribed yeah. to Marvelous for like a little while. Mm-hmm. She's really good. And actually, I wanted to yeah. give like a shout out to both sets of rookies from Marvelous and from Sendai Girls. Because their rookies, for whatever reason, are really fundamentally sound. Like from day one. Well, those Sendai Girl ones, yeah, they really are. And they, yeah. Like, they're not quite Utami level of, like, polish right. when it comes to, like, their look and their their presence and their, their characters and stuff. But when it comes to, like, the fundamentals in the ring, they make sure that their rookies are ready to go day one. Yeah, they really... Like, it's actually, like, I don't understand how consistently the top Yoshi companies are able to produce, like, really fundamentally sound rookies when you compare them to companies in the West. Tom and I have discussed this, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's down to that dojo type of lifestyle. Um, because, like, even WWE, with, like, all their money and the performance yeah. center, like, rookies that are doing the NXT loop in Florida before they make it to TV, 
are yeah. really rough if you see some of yeah. like the the social media posts and stuff. Um, and he, he, even the ones on TV, for instance, I just watched a little bit of NXT. Um, I think as good as Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey are, and they're really good. That's how bad the other two are. Like they're they're just not good. But then you have someone like Bianca Belair, who's pure WWE, and she's very good. She's talented. Except she was, before we even saw her on TV, she was around their system for like over a year, I believe. Oh, yeah. And that's the case for just about like everyone that debuted in like the Mae Young Classic or that we see it doing like enhancement work and stuff. They're in their system for a really long time before we actually see them. I see. I think there's a higher ratio of instructor to student when it comes to these styles. So if you look at like the New Japan Dojo, they'll have, say, you know, six people at any given time, and every one of them will be assigned a senior who they have to help out and do a lot of work for. And because the classes are so small, the amount of instruction you're able to receive and from from quite different people with different styles is so much more intense yeah yeah and if you look at like the stardom training and stuff along those lines the little glimpses you get to see you see you know when they're doing their tests you see them working with every with with a, with a wide number of people across the entire promotion so mm-hmm. you know otome hayashishita is in there you know doing shoot matches with uh, a, a few girls and then she's doing professional wrestling matches with some of the girls and she's already used to working with all these people who she's going to be working with on the main roster mm-hmm. whereas your NXT people they're just sort of they seem to be pushed along step by step in a sort of a wider class sense there, there's not nearly the one-to-one intensity that, that these that these smaller that these more intensive promotions can offer yeah uh and two things i would say would be uh first is nxt a lot of times comes off to me and i'll probably get flack for it but as like a really <laughs> like living at gold's gym a lot of times it seems like these are professional workout people <laughs> there is a case to be made that they and this might actually not only affect the the quality of the wrestlers but also the injury rates uh, yeah that they spend as far as i know they spend like hours a day doing like crossfit and yeah doing yeah. like mma training for some of them or like just basically like hours and hours not actually wrestling but yes. training and you see people that just that get injured from like shoulder injuries or knee injuries, oh, um, like sure. a lot of recurring injuries. That makes me wonder if it's an issue with their like just uh, basically not being able to rest. Yeah, the the shoulder injury issue was a result of their previous strength and conditioning coach, the, who I believe was shit canned last year. The Olympic uh, lifts. Yeah, I think they've definitely de-emphasized a lot of that stuff. Although this they, year, they, I think I think they. Although this year has been all about knee injuries. Yes, that's true. That's yeah. true. But to be completely fair, two Gaijins coming into stardom have had broken collar, collarbones in training. And that's Kylie Ray and obviously Brandy Rhodes. And uh, uh, the uh, 
the girl who didn't even get to wrestle, Kikio, wasn't she hurt in training too? Yeah, I think she had like a knee injury yeah. as well. Yeah. That I mean, all these things are. This could be very bad luck. It could be symptomatic of something, but you can't. It's it wouldn't be fair to point out one company's injury rate without reflecting on another's. So. I just thought I had to mention that. Yeah. yeah. But going back, going back to the Sendai Girls rookies, uh, when I started watching some of their shows earlier in the year, uh, Minami and Ami Sota were very good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in one on one against each other, and then when they put them into the uh, into tag matches, when they had the chance to work yes. with, more, yeah. with their seniors, you know, the fire they show, you know, the basics, it's. it's it's good stuff. And that, that was partially my second point was, uh, you won't believe this one, but Tom's never seen Gaia girls. We got to fix that. Yeah. You have to, it's a must. Yeah, We, we, we want to do an episode on it and I can't watch it till we do the episode. So. <laughs> oh, true. True. Um, I recommend, I recommend, I posted a, a documentary that was done about, um, AJW, I think in 1979, about mm. their rookies and kind of like a day in the life of their rookies. It's like 20 minutes. I recommend watching that and Kaya Girls at the same time because there are some stark differences in the eras. Okay, you definitely have to sort me a link for that because I'm always interested to watch historical content, especially training in the 70s, which is incredibly rare. Yeah. Um, but that's to say, I think a lot of Sendai, as opposed to always can you guys do 700 burpees in a row? I think they just destroy you on fundamentals until you have them pat. Well, they have uh, Chihiro Hashimoto there, so I assume she just <laughs> she just sticks you in wrestling <laughs> classes for as long as you can manage, which I assume is 30 seconds with her. And and then yeah. you know, they do that every day for about six months. <laughs> and they seem to do a lot of shoot training as well, like kickboxing and... Um... MMA stuff, mm-hmm. well, the sort of Im- the, similar to the stuff Stardom used to do. Yeah, it's basically like the same the same way of thinking of Nanae back in the day. Yeah, and both of the companies we're talking about are run by people like Nanae, except probably even more so, uh, like Mako Satomura and Shigusa Nagayo. Although I will say, uh, Marvelous has really fun training, and I recommend that everybody follow them on Twitter just to look at the training videos because they are hilarious. Well, if I could do this again, I would add best t- Joshi Twitter follow, and it would be Marvelous. <laughs> <laughs> Between the training and the Mio Momono videos, they're just they're amazing on social media. Uh, for me, it's probably still the guy who runs the Makiito translation Twitter. But, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but the marvelous stuff you have spoken about that before. So yeah, yeah. so good. Uh, but rookie of the year, which is the category you started talking about twenty minutes ago, is uh, <laughs> is there going to be any dissension on this? We haven't even said her name yet. I think Juan said it once in passing, and we yeah. all know who it's going to be. Yeah, Utami. Utami. <laughs> she what? Utami, she won the uh, Tokyo Sports Rookie of the Year, which is a huge thing because you need that. You need someone who's going to get those headlines now that EO is gone. Yeah, and she is that next person. And if she can translate that into winning other awards going forward, that's fantastic for stardom. Yeah, and I think an aspect of her game that 
um, it's kind of low key, but she's really good at is her mic work. Mm. Um, because she comes off as a, a, like a normal, just a normal girl of her age, whatever she is, funny, I think. Yeah. Um, but she can also kind of turn it on and get and become completely ruthless on the mic. Um, like she did against uh, Jungle Kiona in some of the press conferences and like her post-match, post-match promo when she won the tag titles. Mm. Um, that's really that's really important to have because if she looks the part and she can wrestle, but she can't actually grab people's attention by talking, I don't know if she's going to be like a proper main eventer. Um, but she can, so I think she will eventually become like the the face of the company. I, I think that that's her biggest edge over Momo, honestly, is that she feels like a star she does she has the poise a bit more like a star and she talks has the confidence in that setting whereas momo the work is there but she's character wise not quite what you wanted an ace yet although she has improved she has oh, she uh, is for sure absolutely but she's I think it's. I think partially it's because she is the one-to-one replacement for Eo, and that's impossible. Yeah. Which is yeah. So, so the comparison isn't fair on her, but it's there to be made. So. Yeah. Another thing I think Utami is extremely good at is uh, selling. I think her facials and the way she sells pain is really underrated. I think that's a lot of the reason why she has so many. Uh, incredible match of the year candidates is because of the way she sells. And that might go away to some degree as people just start expecting her to win uh, every match, no matter what, then it might be harder to get people to believe that you're not going to, but all of these matches that were so good, it was because we thought she might lose. And she did lose a lot of them because uh, she, despite all the criticism of her, she she doesn't really beat anybody that's on top. She beat Jungle in a tag match, if that counts, and she draws with her. But she doesn't beat her in singles. Um, so it's still, despite the criticism, it's still interesting to see if she's going to beat these top stars. I, I don't know. I, th- I think her selling in the match is a big thing for her. I hope that they learned a lesson from kind of unbeatable EO's run yeah, on top, yeah. which is that like EO never lost. EO never lost in tag matches. EO never took pins in trios matches yeah. when she was on top. And that got a little bit boring after a while. Um, I think like one of the advantages of Momo over Eo is that Momo is does take pins from time to time from like Saki, for example. She takes all the pins from Saki. Yeah, so that that keeps her a little bit more human, a little bit more. It's easier to buy her matches because of that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's more exciting when there's an air of you don't know who will win. And the reality is. They are top stars. They don't really need to be protected that hardcore. Right. Like if back in the day, if Io took a loss here or there, she was still Io Shirai. We would still 
greatly respect her and buy her as like the best wrestler in the world. Right. Um, so it's they don't need to if the matches are good enough, they don't need to go out of their way to protect people that much. Yeah. And I don't think they will forever uh, with Utami. I think this is just the initial buildup, so to speak. They have to make her into what she will become before they can go ahead with so quote unquote the real career that she'll have because i don't think she's going to spend 10 years beating everybody i think the closest analog would probably be okada you know we're we're still waiting on that big championship title run but there's you know even once you've had that run there's still going to be a huge amount of her career left yeah you know, and obviously it's Joshi, so we don't know how long that career is going to last. It could be two years, or it could be ten. Right. But that's yeah. That's uh, we have to just wait and see what happens. But there's just potential it is still unlimited with her yeah. right now. Yeah. All right. Consensus. <laughs> yep. Utami. Yep. Yeah. All right. So moving on to the next category, uh, best. Gaijin. What do you got here, Juan? I picked as my number one Heidi Katrina from Sendai Girls. I just based on the sheer volume of matches that she does in Japan, it's something like over 40 or close to 40 matches. Mm -hmm. And she's maybe not the most polished wrestler, but she's pretty decent and she's a pretty impressive athlete. I would agree with all that, yeah. Yeah, like I think she... It's hard to say what exactly her ceiling is going to be, but if she keeps wrestling, she's already been in Sendai Girls for a couple of years, and she's improved a lot. With a few more years under her belt, she could really be someone really special because of her athletic ability. And just, I mean, she's extremely tall. She stands out a lot there. Yeah. Um, And I think my second choice was Jamie Hayter. Yeah who I think in the ring she's decent, but she really, really fits Stardom well as a character. Yes. Um, like, her promos are perfect for the Stardom World format. She's in, She loves interacting with the crowd yeah. in Japanese, and they love, they love that as well. Um, she's really, like, tailor-made for them. She's someone that I hope can have a run kind of similar to Viper. Mm-hmm. And that she comes back for like a over like a good three four year um, period, she comes back over and over again. Um, I think she could get like really good in the ring that way, and they could do stuff with her as a character long term. Yeah, yeah. Jamie Hayter was a nice surprise to to me. I think Tom saw it coming, but she <laughs> she she fits in perfectly in Stardom, and especially where they put her with Oedo Tai. Yeah, I saw. Actually, the first time I ever saw Jamie Hayter was the same time as I first saw Session Moth, which was a uh, pro wrestling chaos women's tournament here in Bristol, where I live. And, you know, uh, I liked Jamie Hayter, and Session Moth went three rounds in that tournament. And I thought, okay, Session Moth has huge charisma, but she's not that good a worker. And then the the trick with Session Moth is the more you watch her, the more you realize, oh, right, she is good at she is a decent worker yeah it's just that the act is superseding that but on jamie hater when i was talking about people who i wanted them to bring in for the five star i was talking about jamie hater and when 
I was talking to Justin about people he needs to look out for this year. I was talking about Jamie Hunter yeah, because yeah. she has heel charisma emanating from her. And I've had personal interactions with her at Eve shows where she has quite literally, I've heckled her about something and she has zeroed in on me from across the room and I've been pushed towards the ring, <laughs> terrified out of my mind <laughs> by, <laughs> by, the, by this, this you know, 23 year old girl who has such a venomous, you know, character to her. She is, she's one of those proper heels. Yeah. Like, but she's also so entertaining with the fact, like you say, she's learning Japanese purely so she can do more heel antics over there. I mean, my ideal situation with Jamie Hayter is that she forms a tag team with Natsu Samire, and then you have half the time Natsu is drinking with Session Moth, and the rest of the time she's being like an elegant badass heel with Jamie Hayter. And at some point, the two Gaijins realize, oh, right, you're two timing on me <laughs> with somebody else. <laughs> but yeah, I'm such a big Jamie Hayter fan. She is one of the best exports from the UK and stardom's taking a lot of exports from the exports from the UK right now. So, well, until WWE steals them all. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see them wanting session moth for some reason. They probably won't want her, but they'll, I don't know. I was thinking this in my John Cena wants her, but, I, I was thinking this in my head when Juan was talking about Heidi Katrina. I, I, I don't know these girls' intentions. Like, I assume they all want to go to WWE, but I have no idea. Oh, Heidi, Heidi Katrina is prime WWE. You know, she is tall, blonde, looks great, fantastic athlete. She's really, she like, like Juan was saying, she has, she's done a lot to fit in yeah. in Japan. Um I missed my chance to see her here in the UK uh, this month, but hopefully she's going to come back through and I'll be able to sort of see her in person. But she definitely stands out, certainly in Japan. I hope that Sadie Gibbs has more than one tour with Stardom. Yes. Because she she is so green. She is so green, but she is so athletic. Yeah. But that's more of a 2019 um, topic. She topic. might be number one next year or in 2020. Yeah. It just because she, she, like you say, she can do anything. She just can't really, she doesn't really put together a match yet. But once she figures that out and combines that, it's going to be incredible. I, I think I've raved about her to Justin after seeing her in a, in a Survivor Series yep. style match in Eve yep. uh, about a month ago. And now she's in stardom and I'm starting to see a few more of the holes in her game. And the holes in her game are... Everything that she... isn't being athletic. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, her promos are the kind of promos where you wish they'd let her do another take. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which is fine. It's fine, but it, it's it's just something she needs to learn. That's all. It's not a problem. And the other yeah, issue, like... the other issue, uh, sorry, just uh, the other issue being that she does her Sasuke special so much that it's just a Sasuke normal. Yeah, she does do it every match. Yeah, like I think the stuff that she needs to improve on is just the stuff that ninety nine percent of wrestlers end up getting better at yes. over time. Yes. Hmm. She's got all the potential in the world. And and certainly, if you want to follow a freak athlete on social media, she is incredible 
absolutely incredible. Like uh, no no le- climbing ropes with just her arms. <laughs> that level of like, <laughs> how are you doing this? She she is a stunning athlete, and like you say, huge potential, but not not best guy gym potential right now. Not yet. Uh, I think we have another name to mention, don't we? Uh, and that would be someone I already brought up, which would be Session Moth. Yes. Yeah, she's a genius. She's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think anyone's ever called her that. But she really, really is kind yeah, of a genius. Yeah. When you see her, she's so good at knowing exactly what to do character-wise. Yeah. And when to like what to do and when to do it as a character is something that's really tough and takes many years. A lot of wrestlers never figure it out. And she's kind of elite at it. And she's yeah. actually like not a bad wrestler either in the ring, like on a technical level. She just, because of her character, she kind of has to limit that a little bit. Yeah. It's those, um, I think the thing that really settled her in in stardom was, you know, she was doing all her usual goofy stuff, but then she has that strong forward elbow. And if there's one thing that a Joshi uh, Joshi company respects, it's a big elbow. Right. <laughs> you know, she proves that she proves she belongs when she hits you hard. Yeah. You know? Yes. And, I... and the, the fact that she can bust out, you know, top rope, uh, you know, top rope maneuvers, swing DETs, she genuinely is talented it's just that it's underneath the layers of that character that she's built and i love that character (laughs) and she's someone that could potentially have a like a really long career because of her character like she could legitimately be around for like 20 years um because she doesn't necessarily need to be like the best worker um once she gets you know older and has been around for a while yeah I, a lot like uh, Joey Ryan. I went to WrestleMania weekend last year and saw him on a ton of shows. And no bullshit, he only bumped once in each match. And he was still incredibly over. Everyone loved his matches. And he took one flat back bump or got tossed out of the ring. Like the guy doesn't do anything to his body anymore. <laughs> he, he, he has got it figured out. <laughs> it's amazing he tore his bicep, really. Yeah. <laughs> like one of the great ironies in life is that Jim Cornette hates him, and yet yeah. on a technical level, he's exactly the type of wrestler that Jim Cornette should love. Yes. Yeah. Jim yeah. Cornette's never seen more than the clip of that guy. Yeah, he saw the, the dick arm drag or whatever that and thing Joey is. Ryan was around for many years before like the gimmick. Oh like, yeah. I, like a guy. Yeah. Cause I remember back in the tape trading days again, I got, I think it was PWG before anyone gave a shit and it was Joey Ryan and Scott lost were the big people. And uh, that, that super dragon, whatever he's called. Uh, yeah. And this was uh, my favorite of all was B boy. I mean, and this is all from like 2001. Joey and Ryan's been around forever. I remember seeing uh, the PWG did two tours in Europe uh, back in the day. So yeah, Scott Lost and Joey Ryan, yeah. and Excalibur when he was Excalibur. still wrestling. Excalibur, yes. When you know these guys are, pre- I'm pretty familiar with, but Joey, you know, he tried to be what everyone else wanted him to be, yep. some sort of Davy Richards style strong worker yep. you know he got booked to win the uh the big annual tournament which people didn't like because he's not that guy 
when he figured out what he was, that's when he took off. Yeah. So, more power to him. Yeah, so... And the same to Session. That's what I was going to say. I, this, that's how I hope Session's career ends up. On my list of best gaijin, she was number one. Just because her bullshit <laughs> with with Natsu Sumire is just incredible. I always think of her as a territory type of wrestler in that by the time she leaves stardom, I'm ready for her to go. But by the time she comes back, I'm super anxious to see her again. Like, I don't want to see her every day, but seeing her every other season, perhaps, is perfect. The Ernie Ladd of the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> you keep saying things about Session Moth that I don't think have ever been said. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! Yeah, uh, my Chris is going to meet. He's going to meet her for the first time in about a month or so, and I've I've actually built up the meeting between the two of them on Twitter, (laughs) and I'm just going to start throwing out stuff along these lines, like the Ernie Lad Independent (laughs) Women's Wrestling. (laughs) I'm just going to see how many how many weird nicknames she can add to herself. Big Cat Martina. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um. So there's only one... No, there's two people left. Uh, Juan had one, and then you and I had one, Tom. Uh, Ours was Viper. Um, I put her on my list just because, god damn, she's a good worker. She is a good wrestler. I don't think there's anything to say about Viper that wasn't true a year ago. Yeah. You know, she is just... She's one of the top workers, women-wise, in the world. She consistently pumps out that kind of work. Yeah. She's one of the people who got me interested in stardom in the first place after watching the Mae Young Classic, the first one, and just thinking, okay, this girl can do technical stuff, she can do weight-based wrestling, she, her timing is great, she can do a neck bridge. Who is this? You know, And why haven't they hired her? I need to see more. Yeah, she can do anything, and she always, when it matters, when they ask her to, she has an incredible match. So, yeah. I love Viper. The, the only strike against Viper is that she hasn't been around as much this year. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think it was because she did one really long tour a while ago and she kind of got burned out. But also because her personal bookings have really heated up this year, After, well, especially after the May Young, original Mae Young Classic. Yes. She has a lot more visibility. She can, she can get booked a lot more places. So she doesn't need to do like two-month tours of Japan. She's someone that I feel like it's time for her to go up to the next level, company-wise, yeah. because it would be like a real shame if they, if WWE like finally hires her after like being overdue for so many years and she can't have a long run with the company. Mm-hmm. Um, she's someone that I feel like really legitimately main event major shows for WWE. And not just NXT, but like main roster shows and make a difference. I agree. I think she is, and I always do say this, it's probably repetitive. She is everything they wish Nia Jax was. Totally. Um, She's someone that's... The Rock's cousin? (laughs) Well, almost. Um... (laughs) I I, I didn't hear that. You cut off. What was that? The Rock's cousin? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they could just lie and say she's Roddy Roddy, Roddy Piper's cousin. Yeah, totally. That sets up the feud with Ronda. Yeah, she's someone that she's big, she's 
beautiful. She can talk. She's athletic. She can wrestle anyone. Like yeah. she has everything that they want in a wrestler, and for some reason they won't sign her. I I think if she wasn't uh, World of Sport, I I feel like she would be signed right now. Yeah. I think I think signing to World of Sport was kind of a mistake on her part. Although they could have signed her right after the Main Young Classic, and they didn't. Oh, that's that's true. Um, like I think actually maybe the Nia Jax comparisons might be the thing that they are a little bit worried about. Um, <laughs> they don't want to show up, Nia Jax. <laughs> yeah, basically, because you put Nia Jax and and Viper in the same like roster, and good luck, Nia. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. But even so, I mean, Nia is six foot tall, and Viper really isn't. Like, I was, I've, I've, whenever I meet a lot of these girls, I'm surprised. I'm nearly five ten, but obviously I'm much taller than a lot of them, and I was surprised that Viper isn't. Like, is like she's probably like five five or so. Really? You know? Wow. I would have guessed more like five eight. Yeah. Well, but that's still like. Uh, six inches taller than half of the starting roster, <laughs> you know. Yeah. She comes across as big, but I didn't. I, I only I only met her once and said thanks for coming to thanks for coming out today and doing this match. But I really didn't think of her as being that tall. You know, maybe maybe five six. Wow. But you know, she um, she's not a giant like uh like Naya, and I don't think that people immediately go to that comparison, especially if they stick them on different brands. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we will. All right. Um, oh, I almost cut us off. You got one more one. Yeah, I have Alex Lee. Um, she's someone that has been in Japan for a really long time, like full time. And she is consistently really good. Yeah. Maybe not like that. a blowaway like five-star match type of wrestler, but someone who every time she gets in the ring is at least three stars. It's at least like pretty good. Um, and she she is one of the few wrestlers in Oz Academy that I really like legitimately enjoy watching. And mm-hmm. like I enjoyed her run in stardom in like 2015, 2016 as well. She's always, she's like consistently reliable. Yeah. I... What was the tag team she had in Sendai? Was that with Miko Wata? Yeah, yeah, I forget the name of it, but yeah, I, I, in my head it's like Strike Force or something. So, <laughs> <laughs> which one is Ricky Martel? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've always I I'm I haven't been crazy about her, but I've always thought she was solid. Yeah, she's very solid. Yeah, like her strikes are really good. Her. Mm-hmm. Um, her psychology is maybe not the best. She doesn't do like the most interesting matches, which is probably right. like the thing that keeps her from being like a really blow away wrestler. But just about at everything else, she's really good. Yeah. Okay. Consensus time. Um, if we come to one, I am going to give the 2018. Oh, actually, I'm going to cut myself off again. I didn't write it down, and I almost forgot. But this category, I feel like I need to give a shout-out to Dust because nobody expected anything from her and probably didn't even know who the hell she was. And I thought she was really good. I did. Agreed. I did because I watch Rise on a regular basis. Ah. And 
I actually would say that she is better in Rise than she has been in Stardom. Wow, because I thought she was really good in not, not like you know the best wrestler in the world, but for someone that I expected nothing from, she was really good. Yeah, she's one half of their tag team champions, and she basically is the workhorse of the team. Uh-huh. Um, her tag team partner didn't come over um, with um, with the tour. Her name is Raven Zash. She's like a really tall, oh. tall lady, like six foot one or something. Oh wow! Yeah, um, and she's usually managed by Rosemary in Rise. Oh. Um, so they kind of have like a little bit of like a Ministry of Darkness type of gimmick. Uh-huh. Um, and she is really good. She's actually a veteran. She look, she's been around really? forever in the American indie scene. I had uh, which no is, idea. <laughs> yeah, and she's had like a few different names. Um, Dust and Angel Dust is her current gimmick, but she's wrestled under her real name, which I'm blanking on at the moment. But that's why she's so polished. She's legitimately been wrestling like well over 10 years. Oh my gosh! Wow! Yeah, yeah. She just I, she, she was good. She she's the main reason I have a lot of hope for a future more rise collaborations with Stardom because I thought she was excellent and I'm sure we all watched the 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 arrival video where they uh, where they had the four girls basically coming off the plane yeah. to Japan, arriving in the airport, and you just like look at these these four girls who I'm not sure expected to be filmed as soon as they got off the plane. And it's like the worst time to catch them all because they're not in gimmick. There's, you just don't, you look at these four girls and think, okay, these are just four girls. Because uh, you can't get a feeling for their charisma. And then when Dust's music starts and she comes out and she's actually like ripped. Yeah. And, <laughs> and impressive looking. And she's got, an, she really does have a great aura to her. Yeah. And I, w- I was more impressed with her than anyone else. On uh, anyone else on that tour, obviously there's only two other people who actually wrestled, but she was and... miles better than either of them. Yeah, and yeah. Kylie Ray is actually someone to watch out for because she has not been wrestling very long, only like two or three years. Uh-huh. Um, but she is really athletic. Um she could legitimately like give a run for her money. Not quite Mayu in twenty nineteen. Mayu twenty nineteen is above her, but Probably closer to Naimayu in like 2014 mm-hmm. when it comes to agility and like the ability to do flying moves and stuff. Um, she's someone that it would like two or three tours could be really special. I think Justin's main objection to her is her music. Her music, and I don't like that kind of character. She comes. The happy character. The happy idiot. She comes off like Eugene. Yeah. And she's been downplaying that a lot lately. Thank goodness. Yeah, like she's about to challenge Mercedes Martinez for the Rise title, the main single spell. And she's been, I feel like she's getting a better hold of the character of being like a happy baby face without being a cartoon happy baby face. Thank goodness. And once she really nails that, I think she she's going to go far. I don't expect her to win the title, but... She, I think she's going to do well. Yeah. And to her credit, I had heard her name before she even went across. So uh, without actually knowing anything about Rise, that was, that's not too bad. You know, she has a little bit of buzz. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, I, 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 I liked her, and I've certainly seen much worse people being brought across to stardom, <laughs> so I'm more than happy to see her again. Yeah, yeah I recommend Rise. Rise is a, is a really good company, especially for people that are used to kind of a TV product with, like, announcing and promos yeah. and stuff like that. Rise, even though they're a tiny, they're not really an indie company. They actually work with other companies to kind of develop talent. Yeah. They're kind of like an indie version of NXT. Um, but I, they, I, but they, they have a really good stable of wrestlers. I think like Chelsea Blackheart. Um, oh yeah, who, yeah, yeah. Who we didn't get to see in the tour because I believe she had an injury like right before. She did. Um, so she couldn't travel over. But she's someone that if I think could the Stardom crowd would really love her, and Delilah Doom is another good wrestler that they have that also didn't come over on the tour. Um, yeah, it, it's worth a subscription. They have a lot of content as well on their streaming service. Um, they've put together like a lot of pay-per-view quality shows. I think they're about to, like they're 12 or something. Um, plus, they have like a weekly TV show as well, like a one-hour um, TV show. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I have watched a bunch of Rise, actually. But it's almost always by accident because... I don't know when it's on, but sometimes I run into it because I'm subscribed. Well, I follow it on Twitch, and sometimes I'll log on to Twitch and Rise will be on, and I'll watch it. But I, I never remember when it's on. So, but the, the I've talked to Tom about it before. The stuff I have seen from them is good. Yeah, and I think um, the current um, Alex Gracia. Um, that's currently with Stardom. Um, one of the guidance that's currently on the tour is also um, worked one of their TV tapings. I think she came out of one of their seminars. Ah, okay. and, and she's like uh, only ten months ten months in the business, I think. Yeah. yeah, and for someone that's only like ten months in the business and probably doesn't have a lot of matches under her belt, she's pretty decent. Yeah, I don't I don't notice her at all. Uh, but that's not that, and weirdly, that's not a criticism. It's I don't notice her messing up. She fits in yeah. fairly well. Rudy Boy does have a pedigree as a trainer. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So I've I've cut myself off twice, but this time for real. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we going with with the best gaijin? Personally, I'm taking Session Moth. I agree. I think if Jamie Hayter had one more tour under her belt, she would take this. But because Session Moth has tenure over her effectively in a prominent position it's session moth there we go i'm so i'm so glad that that that's the way this has turned out this year (laughs) (laughs) we would give her a uh a trophy but she would just drink out of it (laughs) okay folks it's me justin uh well as it turns out this episode went really really long So, what we are going to have to do is, we are going to have to split this into two parts and uh, call it a show here, and we will post part two next week. Thanks. See you then.